Blog Talk Radio. Ah, Queenie, are you there? Yes, I am. <sighs> Queenie, this is kind of the week where you just wanted to hit a recess button, so. so <laughs> I. Did you sure. have a, Did you have a shitty week too? A little bit, yeah, a little bit. Had some death. Yeah. But you know what? Fuck it. You know why? Because as Freddie Mercury says, the show must go on. So. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Sexy so witches first, must go The sexy witches must go on. And first, we're going to have a quick moment of silence, folks. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Archivist Bed on Sexy Witches, a podcast from a geek girl's perspective. I am the hit hauntress coming out of you from Deluge, Maryland. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. And let me first introduce my first sexy witch. She lives in currently in Eugene, Oregon, and is an aspiring filmmaker and published writer, currently writing for Living Dead magazine. She's also a huge horror film fan and a regular participation in live action role play. Look for her wolfy attitude and personal writings on her personal blogs and YouTube channel. Please welcome to our show, my sexy werewitch co-host, Queenie Todd. How are you doing, lady? I'm hanging in there. <laughs> How are you? Hanging in there. Well, you know, I Whoa, what was that? Oh, I love the show. Well, anyway, um, I love the sound on this show sometimes. Uh, as you know, I had kind of a shake-up this week, and um, I am going to talk a little bit about it on air because it is related to the show, and I always said it doesn't matter what it is. If it's related to the show, I talk about it because that's what good radio is about. But I am going to try to come from a place of truth and kind of try not to get too personal. But I do want to talk about the big change up that our show is happening today. And um, first of all, I want to say that um, thank you, Queenie, for being on the show because, honestly, you go through a lot. And I know you go through a whole bunch recently in, in particular that you're still here, and thank you for that. So let's keep this going because, believe it or not, I actually like having fun and talking on the radio. And I hope there's listeners out there that also enjoy our show. So please keep listening because we're going to keep going. As we say, the show must go on. Um, But let me tell you what happened. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? Are you sitting down, Queenie, or are you even there? Hello? Queenie? I don't even hear my girl. 
Hello, anybody there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Now I can. What is up? Oh, with I'm sorry. I had a bit today? technical difficulties there. All right. Well, let's keep going. Uh, <laughs> are you sitting down? Are you ready? Right. Okay. So, basically, I, I it was Friday morning, and I'm working on my job, and I get this email that says that um, from Jenny, and she says that her basically her husband has joined Muse Ministry. And because of that, uh, she can't be a sexy witch anymore because she needs to support Jeff in his new career, and they're concerned that the congregation would feel about the podcast and being referred to as a sexy witch. So uh, she wants to come back on as a guest, she says. She wants and, and to offer a faith-based perspective on horror. Okay. Um, but she can't be a sexy witch anymore. And she hopes she understand. I understand. Now, here's the interesting thing: is that I wrote when I got this, I was a little upset, and I was running actually from one station to my duty station. So I actually didn't even have time to register that I just read this email. <laughs> and so I tried to write: I need you to send back my microphone ASAP because I am Thursday. We have been talking on the phone about sound and getting ready for the show. No warning that this was going to happen. And so I had just sent a microphone and a, to Queenie and to Jenny to, like, make the sound better on this show because there is some sound problems with this, uh, with Blog Talk. And I just, you know, every day I like to improve the show and make it sound more professional. And it, but I didn't have time to text the whole text. So I said, I need you. Instead of, I need you to return the mic. And then she writes back this. I know, but I have to do this. The church will scrutinize, and we have to be examples for them. What? How <laughs> so Um, I don't even know how to, honestly, now I'm going to cry, because I don't even know how to register that. First of all, Sexy Witch was just, which she, by the way, kind of helped me with the title in the first place. Um was about the, you know, Cabin in the Woods. It's a show, and it's fun, and it was, and if you're a horror geek, you'd get that reference, and you'd think it's funny, and I know a lot of people that got that reference and thought it was cool. It's also a cool name, because it's, yes, it is a little provocative, but that's because you want people to find you online. So I use an odd title, and it works. People do listen to the show. Thank you so much, once again, listeners. So I really appreciate all of you listening. Uh, but then there's this personal side of me, too, because even though I'm not practicing, I am pagan. So it's that it was sexy witch. It was witch in particular is what mm-hmm. upset me the most. And yeah. that's not very Christian. It it really hurts when you get discriminated because of your beliefs. I understand completely. And... And it might not have been on purpose, but it happened. And yep. and she wrote again because I was kind of upset. And I didn't write any mean-spirited emails, as she said. But I did say a few things about discrimination and religion mm-hmm. because I was like, first of all, giving up your own dreams for somebody else's religion kind of doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um especially voluntarily, and yep. uh, it's a suppression of true self. 
and you have to really consider what that kind of life is going to be like. It's an interesting life, and it is a good life. I won't say it's not if you know how to do it. And you have to realize it's also very difficult. So but that's choice. I accept yep. choice. It's fine. I don't know if our friendship can withstand this because this is the second time this has happened. Um, that's unfortunate. And, um, you know, I, my husband gives me a lot of crap, but he never would stop me from doing any of my hobbies, ever. I think a good partner should support you in your dreams, whatever they may be. But let's not get personal. That's not what this is about. This is just where I'm coming from, okay? And it's not just about her feelings. There's lots of reasons to leave the show. Heck, the show, leaving the show, is is something I would expect. It happens. You know, notice? Yes, it would be nice to have notice. Matter of fact, tonight's episode, which we will talk about, in our norm, we're going to stick to our plan, folks. We are going to talk about film distribution and Days of the Dead at Indianapolis. We're going to do all the fun things we have been planning for this entire show. Our new first guest is coming in at 20, in 920. But because um, we also have a little bit extra business to take care of. And the, the positive side to all of it is that all my problems went away in exactly one hour. And that's the oh. positive side on this. Because I had a good friend, and she, I asked her immediately. She was the first person that came to my mind, and I love her anyway. I wanted her part of the show in the first place. Matter of fact, she's already been part of the show. You heard her on our uh, Marvelville, our, our Mar, I can't even say our Marvel episode and the Avengers, and that was one of my most fun times talking Marvel. And I don't know crap about Marvel, so it was a lot of fun. And, um, you know, and so thank you, my dear. And so I'm going to play a little bit of intro music for her. And I'm going to introduce my next sexy witch because she said yes, and she's on the show. And now we're going to force feed her into the world of podcasting and radio. So welcome, my dear, to the dark side. So my new sexy witch, let's talk about her because she's awesome. And let me introduce her right now. She is coming from Clifton Forge, Virginia. And she's a regular East Coast Horror Circuit fan. See her. She's also a partner in crime for me at Horror Cons. We meet up. We do naughty things. It's great. Sometimes we get choked by Gunnar Hansen. That's also awesome. So, but, you know, it's all in good fun. And I'm glad that uh, we've met in person and have done a lot of things together ever since she came even to my New Year's party this year, which is a big film festival. And this year was Star Wars, and it rocked. So it was really fun, and the room. (laughs) So um, she's also a self-professed horror fan and a super Marvel fan, as we mentioned before, in film and in comics. She is a comic geek, which makes me happy, too, because I love comic geeks, because I don't have those skills, so she has them for me. Thank you. But let's all meet my new... Sexy Witch co-host, Erin Showalter Almontrout. Everyone, welcome in the crowd goes wild. Woo! <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> I'll, I'll come on with it. Ah. Woohoo! <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> I get a level spike on and, this and show thank sometimes. You. 
Thank you, by the You're way, welcome. for the New Year's party. It was a was lot amazing. of fun this year. Yeah, it was a really it was. amazing party. We showed the Star Wars holiday special and all these old um, clips and other things around the web related to Star Wars or similar stuff like Star Drunk, which is one of my favorite viral videos. And and then we showed the room with audience participation. It was it was it was a good show. So I am glad you were part of it. So thank no, you for that. And, the one, the one thing that stuck with me through that night was too many cooks. 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 <laughs> that was awesome. I, 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 I didn't. I had been avoiding too many cooks because there was that. It's like eleven minutes long, and it works. I can't watch anything really, and over four minutes gets really questionable. So you know. It, so I finally saw it, and it was great. So thank you. I, I, that is right up my alley. <laughs> and Erin, meet Queenie, Queenie, meet Erin. They actually have worked on my Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness contest in October as judge and, and contestant, but this is the first time that they're meeting. So welcome, Erin. Erin, welcome, Queenie. Nice to meet you. It is great to meet you again from the Marvel <laughs> There you go. Oh yeah, well there's that too. But, yeah. <laughs> so, so tell me, we, we we're not gonna get too much personal about your life because you have plenty of airtime for that on the future. But what was the first? We asked this on, on our first show. What is the first horror film that really grabbed you? And, and how old were you? And why? Well, I was always extremely fascinated by horror simply because. I was the oldest child, and my parents sheltered me the most. <laughs> so that was always like the taboo thing, the one thing I wasn't allowed to watch. And the first horror movie I remember seeing, well, it was kind of sci-fi horror, really, that I remember seeing was at a neighbor's house. I was maybe about seven years old, and it was Westworld. Nice. Yule Brenner. I love Westworld. Amazing, Michael Crichton, and that's ever a, since then, I've just been hooked. Uh, that's an automaton movie, and you know how I feel about evil robots, so I know oh, exactly. that movie quite well. And it's also quite graphic, which is like for time period, a lot of crap goes. And down you know, in that movie. and you know that's going to be a new HBO series, don't you? Yes, I do know that actually. So. I- I'm actually quite excited since they have Ed Harris doing uh, Yul Brenner's part. I'm 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 really quite excited to see how well he does. You know, HBO and genre go together like uh, bologna and um, and ice cream sandwiches. You know what I'm saying? Like French fries and milkshakes. That's a good one. Uh, I I, yeah. I haven't disliked anything they've done genre. I have disliked seasons. <laughs> I'm not just like any of I loved it all, and I still love it. And Game of Thrones, still I still love that. And even Leftovers, which is boring as hell, I still watch it because it's interesting, even though it's long, it's slow. But uh, it know, is. So. But it's intense, especially that episode about the priest Matt. Oh my gosh! It's, 
it's all it's all slow burn, and and I have to remember to slow down sometimes because I get really anxious if the plot's not moving fast enough, and uh, that you know that's my problem, not the film's problem, you know. So, uh, so let's see. It is now nine sixteen. So in a few minutes, uh, Scott McDonald from MuralCultAV.com out of Austin, Texas, will call in, and we're going to talk about how independent films have had a major breakthrough this year, and what, how would you get your film funded, and how do you get a get distribution deals. I don't know as much about this subject as I would like to say I did, even though I did a lot of research, but I kind of got distracted. Once again, this was supposed to be one of these shows that Jenny could pick up the slack on because she actually has films that are going through distribution. So I was, you know, but, uh, you know, things happen. So here we are. But we will still do it, and I still do know something. <laughs> so we could talk about it. And, something uh, more then than we'll, Yeah, well, should... you know, but, but, let, <laughs> but let's talk about John, James Horner real quick. Because yesterday evening was like, on top of all this other shit, here I am listening to one of my favorite scores of all time and crying my eyes out. Because, you know, he crashes and, and and, and burns up, and, and, and he's only 61 years old, and it's just shit when people die like that, and, uh, you know, the whole com- film community felt that one, and I'm still feeling that one, because James Horner was a genre god, <laughs> you know, um, my favorite scores of all time, two of them are his, one is Battle Beyond the Stars with Roger Corman movie, love that movie, and love the, love the score, and, uh, of course, who doesn't love uh, Star Trek to Wrath of Khan? Absolutely one of the best scores ever. You just heard excerpts from it tonight. Uh, and so do you guys have any James Horner scores that really connected with you? Because as genre fans, I'm sure you hit a few over the years. Let's glow it out to Aaron first. Ooh, uh, I can't think of anything right off the bat. Um haven't had time to really do anything today or yesterday. <laughs> Beyond the but that's honesty. I know you're having you're having your own shit week too. I know everyone is having their shit weeks this week. Um, but um, I always remind people for the mainstream ones. His biggest one was Titanic. He won Oscar. Uh, you know he's been up for several Oscars, uh, song for best song and score over the years. Uh, one thing I like about James Horner's scores is that often they're not – he was a different type of scorekeeper. A lot of people write, like, John Williams composes a score from beginning to end. He actually would take pieces of his own work and repurpose them and make new scores out of things that already existed. And I always thought that was really cool. And so you can hear threads all through his work. And when it comes to – and some of them are best adaptation scores out there, like Aliens and Titanic and – uh, it just goes on and on, and, uh, and Queenie, I'm going to go and bring Scott on here in a minute. Do you have a score that comes to mind when you think of James Horner? Definitely Alien, definitely. I'm a big, you know, Alien alien fan, so, yeah, I think of Aliens. Makes me sad. I also love Crawl. Which is one of my personal favorite fantasy films. Uh, I just last two weekends ago, I saw Land Before Time opening for Jurassic World: The Drive-In. That's a James oh. Horner score. Uh, you know, uh, it, it just—he was everywhere, and he touched 
everyone's lives, whether they realize it or not, and Star Trek in particular, as a Star Trek fan, you can imagine it's really devastating. So uh, rest in peace, James Horner. We're going to talk a little bit more about him later. But first, let's bring on my guest for the the week. Uh, And my geek of the week is on. Hello. You are on with Sexy Witches. Hi. Hi. This is uh, Scott McDonald, EurocultAV.com. Hello, welcome, and I'm so glad you could call, and thank you. I know there's been kind of some crazy shit going down on my show, and, and, and thank you for your patience while I was re, 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 rearranging my deck chairs, but now they're back in order, so um, let me give you a little bit. Would you like a little bit of introduction? Yeah, go ahead. I have I have one for you, so here, I'll even give you our theme song because I haven't played it yet today. So All right. It's our softcore uh, horn music, courtesy of my, one of my good friends, Wayne Piper. And, but it's beautiful, too. And there's an, actually a, a woman's voice to it, also. But I only play the instrumental right now. So you can groove. There we go. Well, if you know right, anything so, about the stuff we review, I'm fine with porn music. Oh, well, that's <laughs> awesome. So. But this isn't really porn. I'm kidding. It's actually beautiful, <laughs> and my friend did it for us, so I'm really grateful for him. But let's see. Scott, you know, you have been a smoothie fanatic, according to your bio, since age seven, when you got your hands yeah. on a tape of Friday the 13th, part seven, I believe you yeah. said. And yeah. And, and um, it was in a video store, right? Yeah. Um. Well, basically, my elementary school had this, rule that would never ever happen to any child today a parent could give you a note and you could leave the campus and this is in second and third grade you could do this not like kindergarten or first and you could either go to the deli or the pizza parlor and this is in like sea caucus new jersey and the deli had a video store now i've been playing like the fight of the Dark nintendo game for years so i knew all about jason through that but they had a tape and i managed to convince the old lady behind the counter to rent me part seven so uh, it's the only one they had on the shelf because, you know, video store, mom and pops had, like, incomplete selection. You'd see, like, part seven, part three, whatever. So I get home. My parents weren't home. It's, like, you know, totally responsible of them. And I watch this film, and there's that scene about two-thirds of the way through where Jason pulls the main character to the bottom of the, of, of the floorboards. And I remember running right out of my house, like, scared to death. And after that, I was like, okay, I'm a horror fan for life. <laughs> and, and he took the ball and ran with it because this guy knows more. I like, I learned a lot from James Harris. James Harris is like my guru, especially when it comes to things like Italian horror and things like that. But then Scott comes from left field, and he's like, holy crap, he even knows more than James does. And James knows a lot about this stuff. And James is a genius. He is a genius, and and between the two of you, I know everything there is about Jess Franco without actually seeing any of his movies. So uh, <laughs> I've only seen like you a know, couple of them. So today but, uh, someone, uh, I still haven't. Go ahead. Today, go ahead. someone's asking me recommend five Jess Franco movies, and I'm like, here's what I think are the best five this week. Yeah, um, I still need to see Bloody Moon. I have yet to see that, and it's a video nasty, so it's very high on my list to see. So. Well, but I you missed out last month. Um, I'm not sure you're aware, but me and uh, are you are you familiar with the site DoomedMovieThon.com? 
not necessarily, no. No, no. Uh, it's run by a guy named Richard Schmidt, and it documents his marathon of watching movies like crazy over the weekend. In fact, he just put a book out last month called Jallo Meltdown that I highly recommend uh-huh. to anyone here. That he's like the Hunter S. Thompson of the Jallo, except it's not like doing drugs. It's eating 7-Eleven sausage biscuits and watching tons of Jallos, right? So um, me and him uh, and our friend Brad and a few other people get together on the last Saturday of every month, and we live tweet uh, usually a European horror movie of some sort. And last month, we did a live tweet of Bloody Moon. So um, this weekend, if your listeners now you are tell interested, me. well, I promote it every month on my Facebook. But so you want. I swear, this, this, I've this, never this seen that. Movie Party Crew on Facebook. Look up Movie Party Crew on Facebook. This Saturday night, we're doing a double feature of Demons and Demons 2, live tweeting. Uh, nice. And uh, hashtag Lambaba Demons. I did see that. Yeah, I did see well, that. Would you yeah, link that anyone, to my, my page? Would you link that to my page yeah. after we're off the show tonight so yeah, I can definitely. find it again? Okay, yeah, great. And, uh, well, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, totally. Awesome. So that sounds like fun. And I love Demons. I saw a – and Lamento Barba is awesome. I think his movies are some of the better ones. And uh, never oh, seen yeah. Demons, too. So, so that would be cool. Uh, so – um, uh, I'll, I'll give so you a fair warning that there's a steep decline between quality between Demons and Demons 2, but it's still fun. Also, the Smiths, is on the, I, the Smiths are on the soundtrack, which kind of makes up for the lack of quality. Uh, before <clears throat> we get into our subject tonight, I wanted to ask you about your favorite game corner score, because I'm sure you have like seven. Uh, you know, uh, since he died yesterday, I work from home, right? So I'm always listening to, you know, things. And I've been streaming little bits and pieces. And, you know, uh, I honestly, like, until my daughter watched Titanic last month, I hadn't seen it. It came out when I was in that arrogant high school kid phase. So, um, you know, I'm not going to say Titanic because I'm just new to that. But, he, you know, he started off like any good, you know, like uh, Kroll, Deadly Blessing, the Wes Craven uh film, you know, stuff like that. He did Lady in Red for Roger Corman, you know, and I remember watching that about a year ago and being impressed by that. Aside from that, uh, Wrath of Khan and Aliens. Yeah, you know, and, 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 and like I said, and, I throw Battle Beyond the Star in there, too. Stars in there, too. Oh, you know what? I was going to say I was going to say Battle Beyond the Stars. There's something about that film in general where everything sort of comes together in this weird, cheesy way. You know, and it's I, just it's so much fun. I screen that for my New Year's party sometimes because I love that movie so much. So, uh, you know, it, it does. It comes together, it, and, and it shouldn't. It's like a total mess, yet it's enduring, and that's because the parts are bigger than the sum, if that makes sense, because you've got so many great writers. you got John Sayles in there. James Cameron is doing effects. Uh, real true sci-fi elements, lots of cheese ball, it's a civil downy, but, I mean, it's just got everybody in it that you could possibly want. George Bertard playing uh, the harmonica as he goes down in flames. <coughs> what else do you want in life? I mean, it's a great well, movie. And it has about... boob space. Spaceship boobs, too. There's, there's that period um, in the early, late 70s, early 80s, Roger Corman, New World, where he was making these sci-fi films or importing them. And I can't think of one that I would deem anything less than, uh, you know, at least a fun, not like a Seven Samurai classic, which, okay, let's be honest, not about a Star Seven Samurai remake, okay. But, you know, you get stuff like Forbidden World, Galaxy of Terror, 
uh, he imported Star Crash, the Luigi Cozy film. And you I know, saw that in the theater in its first run. Do you understand how much I hate you? <laughs> I don't actually mean that, but you know, um, I'm I I have uh, I'm getting a projector installed in my spare room next week, and you can bet Star Crash is getting projected. Awesome. So before we get into this, I want to throw this question out to the sexy witches. Um, have you seen Battle Beyond the Stars? No, no I have not. Either <laughs> I was thinking yeah. maybe that you could do that this New Year's party. <laughs> well, or I might just show it to you anyways when you come visit because you just need to see it. It's one of those films you need to see. You know, uh, it's got everything you could possibly think of, androids, Texas Western Valkyries, uh, sexually repressed women, uh, you know, tight outfits, people thinking they're living together. And then right in the drop in the middle of it, there's a real sci-fi element of collective. It's the first time anybody, I think, had that concept in a film about collective, which, of course, eventually collective will mean the Borg. So I give a lot of credit to this script for, for influencing I, I actually... Star Trek writers later on. Uh, I got to step back and say the Borg, I think we're more or less inspired. I think this has actually been said by the Cybermen from Doctor Who, which came around well, like nine, I think it? they first appeared in 1964. You know, oh, so. I know Cybermen quite well. And, and who, but yes, but who isn't influenced by the Cybermen? They were first. So yeah, I mean, I'm going to say, <laughs> as much as I love Battle Beyond the Stars, I have to give a shout out to the 10th Planet, you know, Doctor Who, William Hartnell. So, you know, um, here's the thing about Roger Corman, and this is a good, I'm going to just go right into right in, in an hour left on the show, so give us a good half hour to talk about our subject. Roger Corman was an independent filmmaker and, and was very good at saying no to people, and yes when he needed to, but it, in his day and age and how you distribute movies and how much they cost is very different than now, or really, is it? Uh, you know, I, I wanted to say this year has been a very different, a very... I don't know what's the word you would use, a Cadillac year, a, a monumental year, an important year. I don't think people realize how important this year is going to be in, when it comes to independent cinema. And and we probably won't realize it until about a year down the road. A few exceptions. I think Tim League is one of the people that would know. The Studio A24, they're kind of on the ball right now on how the modern filmmaking is going to be. Uh, but, uh, you know, I wanted to bring up the movie It Follows first. It Follows, it was a horror film. I'm sure anybody that's listening to this podcast probably knows It Follows, probably has seen it. And I know a couple of them actually own the vinyl to the score, which is amazing. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, But It Follows is a, is a very low-budget horror film, extremely low-budget. Um, it comes out. At first, it has it slotted for VOD, and they give it a small, what they call a compressed window strategy release. That's the actual business term. I had to look that up <laughs> for this film. What they did is they showed it in a, to a very small audience, a very significant small audience that had word of mouth, and mainly people like us. <laughs> and they went to see it, and they flipped through the film, and word of mouth green brought people into the theaters enough to open it theatrically. Did really well. And then they opened it wider each time, pushing the VOD release back. By the time they exhausted most of the theatrical 
monetary value they could give for it, they released it on VOD and iTunes and just made a friggin' killing with this movie. In its third week, okay, this was its third week out, okay, this was the, the third expansion, it was its fifth highest grossing film in the nation, it breached out Cinderella that year, that week, okay, this is from an article, by the way, uh, it, it follows, uh, was also out, really outgrossed everything else that was on the uh, top ten that week, I mean, it was like, there was a Liam Neeson movie, I believe, that weekend, and it was, um, averaging over $3,000 a screen. <laughs> so, and with all this happening, somebody actually called it a flop. It was made for $15 million bucks total, and that included advertising, I believe. Is that right? Does anybody you know, know that number? Um, it was made uh, on the IMDb page where it follows. It said it was made for $2 million. Now, I will not call $2 that million, a low budget. Okay. You know, some people will call that a low budget. I don't call that a low budget. I'm shooting a I film really next a- year. Twenty five hundred bucks. I'm shooting at twenty five hundred. That's a low budget. Well, Two million. It's not about the money of the film, though. It's actually about the release strategy that I wanted to focus on because it was really what made the money on this movie. And it shows that if you have good marketing, very underground market, old school word of mouth marketing, still is the best. So with social media, it is a powerful thing. And I keep telling people that the horror community needs to bind together because we have a very strong voice. And if we work together, we could actually make mountains move, I think. But um, but I digress. This isn't about podcasting or blogging. This is about the future of filmmaking. So is this going to be, uh, Tim Leake thinks this is going to be the new model. And do you think this is going to be the new model? Well, uh, honestly, I mean, I think we're in a a phase where things are highly experimental right now. Um, You know, what I like about, you know, I mean, Tim Leake right now is a, a personal hero between the American genre film archive and the Alamo Draft House and the money he puts into nonprofits like uh, putting, you know, investing in a scarecrow video in, turn, in Seattle and turning that, you know, into a, an, a nonprofit organization that lends films instead of rents films. There's a minor difference. You know, he puts his money where his mouth is. Um, you know, but I, I don't think anyone knows where we're going. And I, and I think a multiple release window is kind of where things should be heading. You know, I, I didn't get to see in follows and leaders. You know, and, um, you know, being that I've got two kids and it's kind of hard to schedule things. So I would love it. Hey, I'll pay 15, 20 bucks to see it, you know, at home. Like I said, I'm putting a projector in next week. I could, you know, have a, not a huge theatrical experience, but something close to right there. You know, and not everyone wants to put a big screen in their house, so. I think all of us do. The sexy witches might be quiet right now, but I'm sure if they could, they'd be nodding in agreement right now because, you know, we like it large. (laughs) I mean, if I I hit the lottery, there's a whole theater going in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I know uh, some of us have kids, you know, and it makes it hard to get out to the movies for every single movie. It makes it impossible for me to watch a foreign film. That's actually what it does for me. I can get to the theater sometimes. I actually saw like four films in five days, including Entourage. I actually went to see the Entourage movie of all things. Uh, you know, so so I do get out occasionally and see the movies. 
and it follows with a date, which was nice, um, you know, but, you know, I can't ever sit through foreign films ever because I always miss half of it now. So Now, next week, um, <laughs> I've got to bribe my 13-year-old daughter to watch my 5-year-old son, and I have to decide between a 35-millimeter print of the devils and a 35-millimeter print of the mother and the horse, and it's like, uh, what do I do? <laughs> you know? The devils? That's my answer. Yeah, well, the mother and the whore has not I, had I, a, a, well, a, a a digital release. Okay. A, no DVD, nothing like that. So this might be my only shot to see that for years. Okay, uh, well, and, and I do think we're going to have an excellent print of The Devils come out on Blu-ray eventually. So, okay, I can see that. So. I've heard speculation, and it's been denied, but speculation that a certain company might have The Devils, but I don't have... In- Full insider knowledge on that. Hmm. But I think there's only one company in in North America that could possibly have that release, and I think we all know who that is. Yep. Well, we'll wait and see. So, um, <clears throat> so I wanted to get back to Tim League for a moment, if I could, because there's another thing that happened that also kind of changed the game, and it was an almost. Well, it was an accident in a weird way, a pretty accident. But I also have some opinions on it. And, well, of course, everyone remembers last December and the whole interview thing that happened, uh, you know, with the films, with the Sony hack and the emails and being attacked and leaking films, and it was all over retaliation for this movie. It's still denied, but our government actually, even though it's a private matter with businesses, uh, our government did thump the, New- the North Korean uh, inter- internet structure for like a whole day over this. I mean, this was like an international incident. But in the middle of all this, they pull all the screenings because all the theatrical chains pull out. It wasn't because of the movie. They couldn't afford to run it all of a sudden. So that's why they dropped it, and they said, well, we have, you know, we don't want to see it anytime soon. We're not going to release it ever. That was their first initial reaction. And I'm like, well, that's a pussy answer. Because first that's of all, overreaction. I know, yeah. yeah, well, you know, and maybe it's the old school activist in me, but you know what my answer would have been to that? Fuck you, I'm releasing it for free. That would have been my answer. <laughs> um, so I'm that not going to make any old. money on this anyways. I might as well give it away. That's what yep. I would have done. But instead... Tim League was able, he actually had a part in negotiations during all this and convinced them to release it in 78 screens on Christmas Day. <laughs> and they did. And then it went to VOD. And they haven't made their money back yet, but they made over half of it on that first day. And it's still the number one VOD release in Sony's history at $15 million in one day. That got beat on the same week, Arbitrage, which made $14 million, Bachelorette, $8.2 million, and Snowpiercer made $7 million that day. Uh, so it tells you, like, what, what, like, how big a deal that was. And um, it's more than made up for its $40 million budget in online sales and rentals at this point. And it was close to be a flop. That was actually, it was close to predicted initially to lose money. It was so, not to happen um, in that movie, let's be honest. It is, it is. I told you no publicity is bad publicity in the end. But at the same time, it was like, 
you know, guys, it could have handled this a little bit better. But at the same time, it showed that a staggered release, even in the mainstream, can work. It just needs a little bit more finessing and a little bit more polish, but they can do it. So I think it's actually between those two films, we're going to see in the next year a massive amount of change. And especially with now everybody has digital projectors, even DVD, even, uh, you know, drive-ins have them now. We can, they're just going to send the files straight to wherever, and, you know, it's, it'll be, you know, oh, it won't even need projectors anymore, you know, or, or projectionists, which is well, fine, but. <laughs> you're, well, you're going to need a projector. I mean, something needs to get the image to the screen, but. Well, I meant projectionist you know, is what I meant. Well. Yeah, let's not let's not kick the projectors out of the booth yet. Someone needs to make those things shine. But um, I don't you know, want to things... kick the projectionists out. I don't. I love the projectionists. They change the light bulbs. You know, they are important. You know, <laughs> you know. Uh, just I know for a fact that like uh, the draft house. You know, I remember uh, seeing a post by uh, Lars Nelson. Uh, you know, who now works for Austin Film Society, but he's worked for the draft house, and they were giving like a class for projectionists. I think. And I was like, really, or or maybe they were looking for a train. And, and anyway, the fact is, they they don't look for people to just pull off the street and put in a projection booth. They want people who know their stuff. You know, which uh, is another David, reason you... to love what Tim uh, Lee is doing because he's trying to open draft houses in New York, uh, San Francisco, L.A., all these different markets, and he's going to take that draft house aesthetic and bring that nationwide. I, I have no problems with that. I just want to say that right now. He's built two within my area, and none of them are in driving distance. It's, like, ridiculous. I can't quite get there. They're on the other side of the beltway. They're closer to Erin. Erin lives in Virginia. They're actually closer to her. So one of them is really close yeah. to you, at least. And, she has, and you have the whole drive-in near you, which is one of the best. It got voted because oh, they're yeah. not one of the best drive-ins in the country oh. this year, this week. So hooray to the hall. So, uh, yeah, Holy Drive-In um, is absolutely amazing. Yeah, I went and saw I mean, Jurassic World there. I, I mean, they've done so much. It's a non-profit, actually, um, Holes. It's, it's the first non-profit, um, like, community-owned drive-in. And they make bank, and they have actually improved so much that they're thinking about buying the land beside them and opening a second drive-in. Right. Yay! That's beautiful. You know, it's like things are coming back. And 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 I recently an old shuttered one that had been shuttered for 35 years, I think in Rochester or something like that, reopened like this weekend. Uh, a lot of new marquees are going up. Another um, drive-in was saved in a fundraiser for Kickstarter. Uh, you know, so yay, hooray! Thank you, people, for saving our theaters. But now we need to get our films in them because that's been the hard part. Yeah. Because it's really hard to get independent films into the theaters. It, it follows, might be eventually the model, but right now it's still a fluke. <laughs> so, um, well, but there are things to do to get you noticed. Not just Kickstarter and Indiegogo. Uh, there's there's other there's other websites too that you should be aware of. And I don't know if you know a little bit. Can, um, Scott, do you know anything about Tug.com? No, I don't. You know, uh, uh, please go ahead. All right, well, let me tell you girls about tug.com. It's it's a site that helps you buy screenings. So Oh, oh yeah, I know what I do know about. Yeah. I thought yes, I yeah. yes, I don't. I do know about that. 
I thought you were about financing. I know that that's the site where if you want like a screening of Battle Royale in Houston, you can go, hey, you know, yeah. Well, I'm doing this ass backwards. I am going to talk about fundraising, too, because there's another one. But first, let's just say we need to get it. I just It was an easier flow to go to, to backwards in this case. But uh, sorry to throw you off, though. Uh, the Tug.com is a way to get people to see your film. You can actually go there, and it, they'll help you raise the money to go rent a theater. And maybe you want to rent a colonial for a week, and they have a slot. You can do that. Um, which would be awesome, uh, you know, so we can do that. When it comes to fundraising, everyone knows Kickstarter and Indiegogo, and Kickstarter just changed their rules recently, and I really actually think this is good, because I know at least one or maybe two of us have probably contributed to a campaign that actually went nowhere. Is, did any of us help with one of those? You don't have to go into details to say yes or no. Me, yes, yes. I've, I've created campaigns that went nowhere, but... Uh. <laughs> <laughs> She she tried really hard, but she didn't. She wasn't successful. You know it happens. It, you know, but um, but Kickstarter now, if you get funded, they actually are make. You have to give some kind of guarantee, at least uh, a perks or something, or you they have to give the money back. So that's like a big deal. I don't think they've done that in Indiegogo yet. Um, but Indiegogo doesn't have the flexible spending funding. I don't think that Kickstarter does. Because you can also flex fund Indiegogo. You have to reach the goal to get your money. No, no, you're getting um, the backwards. Um, yeah, am you're I getting the backwards? Fuck. Yeah, Kickstarter. Yeah, Indiegogo has to. flex funding. Yeah. Okay, that's right. It's the other way around. I'm sorry, my bad. They they blend honestly because my friends use them interchangeably. So, um, but there's another one out there. There's a ghostwriter, and I really want to push this one, especially for my sexy witches here, because it's called Seed and Spark, and it's out of this area here in D.C. And what it is, it's a fundraising site for women filmmakers. And they not only help you raise the money, they'll help you through the process of connecting you with people, with with the directors, with, with people in the area that need jobs, and you need jobs, and you need them, and they'll help you through the process and get your movie actually go, you know, going. They'll help you all. Sure. You know, and it's in... It is an amazing site, and, and a lot of documentaries come from Seed and Spark, obviously, because of the area. Uh, so, But they, they'll take anything, narrative or documentary. So I always want to give a huge shout-out to Seed and Spark because it's women-run, women-owned, and it's, it's an alternative to Kickstarter and Indiegogo, and it's quite fabulous. So, um, and, and, they're not, and, and they'll take almost any campaign. It's not just about women. I mean, obviously, because film is a you know group effort collaborative effort they just want to see like a woman in like one of the major above the line positions director or producer something along those lines so uh so uh, those are other things i was talking uh looking at for to talk about but you know what i've kind of run out of things to talk about on this do you girl let me throw it out to queenie uh you've tried to make a movie and do you yeah. know about things, how to, how is it in your world with getting films uh, funded and distributed and seen? Because the most important thing isn't the money, it's getting it seen, <laughs> you know. Well, I'm still working on a, a fundraiser. Like, I haven't, I haven't put it up yet or anything, um, but, like, I'm still working out the details of my fundraiser. But I have to do some sort of fundraiser for my film or else I'm not going to be able to make it because I don't have the money to make it. Um, personally, you know, I had a lot of stuff happen. Uh, I was in the hospital and whatnot, so, like, I, I can't afford to do it on my own out of my pocket. 
So fundraising is the other option, right? Um, oh, I'll, so you I'm know, just gonna if, you know never use your own money. You know, if you can, well, you never use your own money. At least that's the story. But you know, people want to tell ice water. Like everyone has their you own know, way of doing. Yeah, so everyone, it, like, it, there's some directors who would prefer to use their own money, and then there's other directors who tell you you should fundraise. Like, it, it really depends on where you are, and I know where I am, I need to fundraise, so. Yeah, well, I, I would fundraise, and I would match. That's how I would play it in these days. But the truth is, is fundraising is what, you know, no, not everyone's going to have the money, and you can't compete with movies going into Sundance. It's just impossible, yep. but, you know. Film festivals, there's a lot of them, but they get and and most of them are reasonable. That's another way of getting independent film scene, especially at a con. There's always film festivals at cons. Uh, but you know, 35 bucks here on drop box, you know, on a, without a box, 35 bucks there, 20 bucks here, 10 bucks there. That's going to add up after a while. So you know, Absolutely. it's never cheap, never cheap. Oh, no. So no, but but it's cheaper than it has been in a long time. I think it's actually a, a, it's a little bit exciting because I am seeing the price of films drop, and, and, and that's cool because they're looking, some of the, especially some of these fan films, they're making shorts that look amazing for their money. And, you know, you're like, wow. You know, the, it, and a lot of people are just doing it with a good camera and a laptop. And so, uh, you know, it, the, the future is unlimited, actually, I think, in some ways. Um, and and I think word of mouth still works to get a film scene and distribute. You know, uh, you know, and going to film festivals, I always try to at least attend one or two of the films there. Uh, you know, if it's even Oscarcon, I tried to get in to see it exist. It exists, which is uh, Robert Sanchez's movie. Is that mm-hmm. Robert Sanchez? No. Is that his name? Oh, I am so blanking his name right now. The guy did Blair Witch Project. Oh, my God. I look at huge fan of this, too, and I can't think of his name. Uh, but he, I w- literally walked in at the last frame, but I caught his Q&A. Eduardo Sanchez. Thank you. Thank you. I <laughs> my answer. <laughs> so, and, and so there we go. But, uh, you know, before we go, well, let's see. We've got 10 more minutes before the community calendar. And um, so I wanted to throw it out to uh, uh, Aaron. Had, you know, this is, you know, you're not a filmmaker per se, but you're a consumer. And, and, you know, how frustrating is it as a consumer that you have trouble getting to indie films? Because I know that you have like one or two, you have your whole drive-in. Thank God for that. But, you know, they're not going to show, like, you know, anything, you know, a trauma or something like that even. You know, oh, so. no, this is, this is the heart of Virginia. It's going to be regular big-budget uh, movies, and, and uh, I wish they'd even play classic horror, but uh, they don't do that either. Maybe when they get that you second screen. <laughs> you have to go to Pennsylvania for that usually, honestly, <laughs> so, especially around here. Uh, but, um, and Scott, uh, so I'm, do I'm you have any... I'm on things. I'm sorry, I Go can't ahead. hear you. Go ahead, Hold on, I was Scott. Go ahead, I have to rely. I'm sorry, I was just going to say I have to rely on things, you know, like uh, Netflix apps, you know, any kind of computer, uh, social media to get me to any type of indie film that might interest me. And, and, and without going into details, I know that you're in the house a lot, but VOD has kind of revolutionized your viewing experience as well because now you have access to first-run films that you didn't have before. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
uh, kind of how I found uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil before anybody else did. That was that was pretty amazing. Um, that was bef- it was about a year before it went on to Netflix and people started to know what it was or who it was. Uh, so it was a very underground film at the time when I saw it. So, uh, Scott, I was going to go back to you, and and uh, we were talking about access to films. Do you have any advice on your end? You're in Austin. You're in the heart of it all. Do you have any uh, any advice or anything you've witnessed that would matter to a young filmmaker trying to figure out they're going to try this? Well, you know what? Uh, it's not so much about where I am now because I've been making films for short films for about 15 years, right? And I haven't made one in about eight years now, but I'm I'm actually, I came up with an idea three weeks ago. I'm going to shoot a feature horror film in my kitchen for 2500 bucks in the next year. But um, the, the best thing, I think, is, you know, they say it's, it's not good for a musician to listen to too much music. Like, it's bad to be a music nerd if you're in a band, you know. But if you're a filmmaker, to watch films. And uh, I've always watched tons and tons of movies. But since I started com six years ago, piles of movies get sent to us all the time, right? And I have to take on six or seven writers to cover them all, but the fact is, it's almost like a lottery. Like, last night I watched Cellar Dweller. Tonight I'm watching Hiroshima Mon Amour, you know, the Alan Raynaud movie. It's not horror. It's French New Wave. But it gives you perspective. And the thing I think that most... When I went to film school in Florida, and I, and I did go, the, people tend to watch movies of their time. You know, if they first got to movies of Jurassic Park or Star Wars, that's their reference point. They don't go back before that, and they need to because there's so much to learn just from film in general. You need to break out of your comfort zone. And just the best way to learn film is to watch film and then make it. And just even if it's cheap on a camcorder, whatever, just get out there and do it. You know, I want to say something about Generation X because right now they're making most of the art that we're seeing right now. And what I love about this generation's art, it's not that we have anything particularly new to say. It's that we take what we've seen, and we've seen and digest a lot of movies. (laughs) I mean, a lot of movies at our time. And we kind of, like, rearrange it, repurpose it. We've stitched some pieces together, and we make something new and fresh with it. And, And it makes references to other things. Like, I always like to... Robot Chicken is the most extreme example, but yet it's completely fresh, completely new. New ideas, yet it's very familiar. You've seen these images before, and you know, and it's just used in a new way. And I just, I think that you know, right? Yes, watch as many films as you can, and and make connections, meet people, just go to. You know, talk to people. Don't be afraid to meet people because film is a collaborative effort. Never ever try to go alone on a film. It will kill you. <laughs> you know, I, I will say that, you know, I, I do agree that a lot of uh, films and film culture right now is recycled. You know, like the post-Tarantino wave of, you know, I've seen you know, City on Fire, so I'm going to make Reservoir Dogs or, you know, uh, and, and so on. But that's a lot of my problem with horror right now. You see, I, I run a site that's basically considered to be a horror site, but we review everything from Disney animation to, you know, uh, Buster Keaton silent movies. Um, and the thing that 
you know, you get an It Follows or a Babadook every once in a while. But for the most part, horror cannibalizes itself in this generation, you know, whether the remakes or even the original films. And it tends to have that samey vibe. Now, if you're a kid or a teenager or 20-something now that hasn't spent the last 30 years absorbing horror history, you might just jump in and eat it up. But when you've seen it all, it's kind of like... uh, You'll see me pass a lot of new titles to other staff on your occult AV. I'll put it that way. It's really about finding your audience in the end. Uh, and people sometimes take a really long time to do that. I've known big films that have taken 20 years to find their audience. Uh, <laughs> look at The Room. It took eight uh, you know, before it found its audience. And it can find its audience. Anybody can. Uh, you know, uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I do think that it's great that we're also re-releasing the, the older films in the theaters and kids are actually going to get to see these films in the theaters again. And uh, especially, like, that Jaws came out. And even though my daughter didn't quite sit through all of it, we watched a little bit because she likes sharks. And uh, it made me feel proud to watch Jaws with my five-year-old. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, no. My my son, and uh, by the way, I'm going to get accused of such bad parenting here, but I'm going to throw this out there. Last week, my son wanted to watch a zombie film, right? And I'm like, well, what do I show him? I show him anything from like the 1960s. He falls asleep, right? So I'm trying to think, what can I show him that's not malicious in his intent, doesn't have any like sexuality that I'll have to really speed through? So I threw on the last half hour of Dead Alive, all right? Oh, my God. I don't know if I would have chosen that film. but I would, no, have, I, it's my, it's my I would have gone more with Romero, Night of the Living Dead. That's what I did with my kids. <laughs> but, you know, but, but here's the thing with George Romero films. They're serious. They're serious in their approach, and they're scary. Dead Alive could I, be, like... I have a suggestion. Campy. Fido. Fido. You know what? I, I, haven't, you know, I haven't seen that. I haven't Fido, seen that, actually. Fantastic. Oh, it's so, but, such a great little but film. But let me tell you, he watched the, the last half hour of it, at first, he was a little scared, and then he was cracking. Once he got by, by the lawnmower bit, he was cracking up, right? Yeah, it's extreme, well, then he gets it because it's an extremely funny movie. It's gory, but it's right. So The next day, so he, he comes up to me and asks if he can watch it again, and then he watched the whole damn movie all the way through. You know, and, and like I said, I'm going to be accused of terrible parenting here, but, you know, it's like you want to show – I would never show any of The Exorcist. I wouldn't show any of, like, you know, a real Italian horror movie. So the question you have to ask yourself is what is the proper balance, you know? I, like, I've tried to show them things like Planet of the Vampires, the Mario Bava film. Uh, I've shown him some Vincent Price movies, and he'll watch them and groove on them a little bit. But most of them he'll fall asleep. Just alive, he stayed up the entire damn thing. He was just like, I'm on this couch. I'm watching this movie. Oh, show show him um, a, a Nashi film. See how that works. Uh, na- here's the thing: Nashi films are chock full of Nashi getting laid every time. You know. The, oh, I know. That, that's the well, well, you know. <laughs> I know. Well, I was just thinking well, about I'll, 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 I'll wait till he's I saw all those films when I was a kid. You don't understand. I saw those Nashi films when I was a kid. I totally forgot I'd seen them until until someone reintroduced them to me a few years ago. I'm like, oh, what? I saw all of these films. He just whipped okay, okay. that girls for like an hour. <laughs> did you see yeah, them have... on TV or did you see them on video? I saw them on, like, Creature Features on Saturday afternoons. Real, I'm sure they okay. were there. Okay, okay. Then, then my next question, because, you know, like I said earlier on, I watched stuff like Friday the Part, whatever, a million times. And, I, you know, I started watching them when I was six or seven. 
And I never paid attention to the sex or the nudity until I was like 13, and then it clicked, oh, my gosh. Right? No, like that's uh, there. Exactly. It's not something at that age that you really pay attention to. No, it, it's like Looney Tunes cartoons or something where they put in those adult jokes, but it goes right over kids' heads. Exactly. So, uh, well, you know, this was a great conversation. We digressed into kids. Sorry about that, Queenie. That's a whole different right. show. We can talk <laughs> about introducing horror to the young and old. And I actually probably will have that down the uh, further episode. Remember, next week's going to be a really uh, next our next show in two weeks, I should say, is going to be really good because we're going to talk about Blogfest in Philadelphia, and uh, we will talk about some classic horror on that week. So look for that. I'll talk about that at the end of, of the show here. Uh, so uh, first of all, I want to thank you, uh, Scott, for coming on and, and, and hobnobbing with the sexy witches. We're going to go into the community calendar segment and get off the air because uh, it's been an interesting couple of days, and I'm going to go take a nap soon. Uh, <laughs> but uh, first things first, though, I have to make sure that the world knows that there are things out there to look and see, and we got to make sure people know they exist. So once again, Scott, thank you for coming on the show. Are you going to stick with us for the community calendar segment, or are you going to book out? All right, and uh, remember to check out EuroCultAV.com, and uh, you can check out Movie Party Crew the last Saturday night at, a, at 11 o'clock Central Standard Time. Uh, this this month we'll be doing Demons and Demons 2 as a double feature. That's this Saturday night. Follow us on Twitter uh, using Lambava Demons hashtag. Fabulous. Thank you, Scott. And uh, also, will you call come back and tell us how your movie's doing? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Please do. Right. Please call back and talk Thank about you for your having film. Me. Thank you for having you, and you have a good evening, and, and give your kids some love. Not just zombie movies. All right. <laughs> Good night. So that was Scott McDonald of Eurocult Cafe, uh, EurocultAV.com in Austin, Texas. Once again, thank you. He's been, he's a great guest to have on the show, and I'm going to bring him back at some point when we do a hardcore '80s Swords and Sandals fantasy episode. We will do one probably next season, but we will do one. I make a promise of that. So it's time to do the community calendar, but before I start it, I wanted to bring on somebody to do it with us tonight as well. So first, let me give him a little music, and I'm yes, going to introduce him. him. Dark, brooding, important, groundbreaking. Check out the lyrics. Darkness. So... I'm introducing, he's from Atlanta, and he is the son of Celluloid himself. Look for his episodes on YouTube and in Horror Blog. He also even sometimes find him in the Atlanta area judging extreme wrestling, sometimes making the props for it as well. Um, he, he's also pushing into acting and filmmaking, and look for him to be in Dear God Knows follow-up as a biker. He looks awesome. Look at that on that video, that footage on the Internet. He also, and my favorite thing he does, is he works for the world-famous Netherworld Haunted House in Atlanta with his pet Madagascarian hitching, car uh, hitching cockroaches. Look for him in the parking lots to scare the crap out of you. Please welcome to my show, and the first time on, thank you, Mr. Horror Geek himself, Sonny Celluloid, Nathan Hamilton. How you doing, sir? Let me bring you on. Oh, his mic isn't on yet. 
You're on with the Sexy Witches, Nathan. How are you doing? Hello, Sexy Witches. I'm doing great. Good to be here. I am so glad to hear from you. I know you've been really, really super busy, so thank you for calling for a few minutes. We're just going to start our community. You're never not super busy, but you are particularly super busy right now, I just happen to know. So we're glad you're getting ready for Days of Dead in Indianapolis, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. Uh, Before we get started, what is your favorite James Horner score? We're asking everybody that tonight. Oh, God, that's a tough one. Oh, Crawl's up there. Crawl is up there. We keep mentioning Crawl. I love Crawl. Um, Probably Alien, just because it's so iconic. You know, you you see the imagery from that movie, and the score immediately, you know, jumps into your head. So I guess just because it is so ingrained in me, because I've seen that movie so many times, and because it is such an integral part of that movie, probably that one. Awesome. So thank you for that, because we all have been talking about James Horner was a little bit of a shock to the community, and everybody's very sad about his loss. We've lost a lot of people in the last week, a, a shit ton of people that we all love. And excuse my French, but it's been really sad. So we're going to go straight into the community calendar and my community calendar music. All right. So first things first, I do want to mention of course, last week we hit with four major losses to the horror community and wrestling community. Um, one was Betsy Palmer, uh, Christopher Lee, of course. I mean, who wasn't talking about Christopher Lee last week? Uh, American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. And a lot of people missed uh, that uh, one of my favorite British actors, and I believe he was in a few Hammer films as well. Um, his name was Ron Moody, and he starred in Oliver in 1968 as Fagin, and he passed on the same day as Chris oh. Lee did. And I, I just wanted to make sure I said something about it because I loved that man. I loved that performance. It's one of it's absolutely the beginning and ending of Fagan. I'm, there's no one that does it better. And um, and not to mention that he had a great theatrical career. And like I said, he worked with Hammer Films and Amicus movies. Uh, you know, so he 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 got around. He was a British actor all the way. And uh, I just want to say rest in peace to him. And of course, this afternoon it just keeps the shitstorm keeps dropping. Dick Van Patten also passed this morning. So um, Dick Van Patten was the first celebrity I ever met. Uh, so I was in uh, Universal Studios going on the little tour. You know, the actual the tourist. I went on the tour and we were leaving leaving for the day. It was over, everything was closed, it was empty except for the fountain, and there was this one guy being interviewed, and it was Dick Van Patten. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, you know, eight is enough, and a big guy in the 70s. And so I, I'm not too nostalgic about his death, but I wanted to make sure people knew, because, uh, you know, it, it was, it's been a very odd day, good and bad. By the way, I wanted to also mention the community calendar, too. Important things happened today, guys, on the federal level. Did you hear? Let's see if you know. One of them is that marriage equality is probably going to pass on Thursday, which is a big deal. Hooray. Very cool. Uh, And then the other one is that Obama administration lifted the restrictions on marijuana research for the first time since it's been made illegal. So now people can actually get permits to go and, and do tests and find the medicinal properties of marijuana. Right now, before that, you couldn't only play, only there's one crop. It's legal for you to use, and you have to go through all these jumps and hurdles to get there. Um, those hurdles are going away. 
So congratulations, medical community. You've got a lot of work on your hands. <laughs> I want to throw two things. Can I throw two things out Go real ahead. quick? Uh, while we're talking about death, unfortunately, there was another one from the world of professional wrestling. The news broke today that Nature Boy Buddy Landell has passed away. So I want to give condolences to his family and all the fans and all of his friends. And second of all, I am a, uh, I'm an ordained minister. I do weddings. I've done 15 so far. And I'm actually looking forward to finally doing my first same-sex marriage when I can finally do one in Georgia. So that's awesome. Well, congratulations! That'll be so awesome. So yeah, I, that'll be cool. I've got I've got quite a few friends who are you know just kind of waiting around for it to become legal. They're <laughs> just waiting before um, I can do their wedding. So that'll be good news for them and good news in general. I'm actually oh, yeah. attending. I'm actually attending my first gay wedding in July here in Virginia since it passed last oh, that's year. Awesome! Cool. I'm very excited about that. It's a friend of my mother's, believe it or not. My mother's hardcore Republican, so I'm even surprised. She's going, but uh, but they're great friends of hers, and they invited me because they know how much it means to me um, as a fighter for equality. That's wonderful. Well, that you know, it's it's such a great time. I, I look at my daughter and I see she'll never know, not another time when there wasn't an African American president. She won't have to worry about same sex equality is going to be solved. You know, hopefully, <laughs> there'll never be, you know, well, well, there's prejudice, it'll never be fully solved, but at least legally those hurdles will be gone. You know, she's not going to have to think about any of that stuff, and this is stuff I've been fighting for in the 90s. I mean, I actively campaigned for medicinal marijuana in California when I was a kid, so, uh, you know, uh, uh, these are big deals, <laughs> and uh, it, it's in some ways it's great to be alive right now despite all uh, the weird it, things that happened. And you know how big of a deal it is for me for the marijuana research as well. Um, with somebody with fibromyalgia, pseudotumor, cerebral migraines. I mean, I accidentally hey. left my medication at home this past weekend, and I experienced withdrawals from the Cymbalta and Lyrica for my fibromyalgia, and that's not something that I ever want to have to experience. I don't want to have to rely on pharmaceuticals. Well, it's going to be a long road before we get to cures with this stuff, but at least now we have the people will have the object to try and see if it actually works. And and we can catch up with Israel because Israel is actually moving forward on this stuff for cancer research quite quickly. So we've got to catch up. So let's, but let's move back to get off of politics, and I'm going to talk about our convention pick of the week, and I'm going to throw it out for why Nathan is on the show with us. He's going to be at uh, Indiana, uh, Days of the Dead Indianapolis, which is by far the biggest horror con in the country. Uh, it is huge. Everybody goes, and you, are, sir, are on panels this year. So please, can you give us a preview of what this year is going to be like at Days of the Dead Indianapolis? All right, Days of the Dead Indianapolis. That is happening this weekend at the Wyndham Indianapolis West. You can go to daysofthedead.net to get all the information. Uh, and it's basically got something for everyone. If you are a huge mainstream horror fan, we got Tobin Bell's going to be there. we got Angus Grimm's going to be there. The Shining Twins will be there. Sid Hay, Kane Hodder, Bill Mosley, John Cassera, PJ Souls, everybody. I'm particularly excited because two of my childhood heroes are going to be there. Ric Flair is going to be appearing there. And most importantly to me, Joe Bob Briggs will be there. And if anyone knows, there would be no Son of Celluloid if there was no Joe Bob Briggs. And I'll actually be hosting his Q&A panel, which is going to be really cool. That's Saturday, so I get to kind of work with Joe Bob on that. If you're into independent horror, 
Dude, we have a film festival that will knock your socks off. 48 hours straight of flicks. Um, God, I can't, can't even think of all that's showing there. Uh, uh, pieces of talent's going to be showing. Headless, uh, Flowers, American Guinea Pig, I Am No One, uh, Time to Kill. Um, Run is going to make its, uh, I believe it's its festival debut. I mean, all kinds of really cool stuff. And we're going to be joined by some of the filmmakers from, like, you know, Fred Vogel, the Brian Williams, the Stephen Byro, Adam Albrandt. Um, most of the crew behind Headless and Found are going to be there. Uh, Joe Stouffer is going to be there. Um, James Balsama. Like, all kinds of, you know, great guests from the independent film world. We're showing all the movies. And what cannot be discounted is just the sheer party that Days of the Dead is known for. It's, uh, people call us the party con and say that like it's a bad thing. It's definitely not a bad thing at all. We uh, we definitely throw down at all the Days of the Dead, but uh, Indy is the one I've been to that has the biggest party, and it's going to be amazing. And uh, the other panel I'm hosting is on Saturday. It is the Masters of Gore panel. I'm going to be talking to some of the uh, independent films, Masters of the Gory Flick, including Fred Vogel, Adam Albrandt, Arthur Culifer, uh Stephen Byro. That's going to be a good time. But quite possibly the coolest thing that is going on at Days of the Dead is Saturday at 7 a.m., where just after everyone's done drinking all night, we can gather in the screening room where there'll be a Son of Celluloid marathon. Join the entire first season of the YouTube show, the rarely seen blooper reel, and the world premiere of the first episode of season two, which, thanks to the YouTube standards and practices Nazis, this will be the only time anyone gets to see the episode in its full, uncut form. Well, congratulations. It sounds like a fabulous time. And um, don't forget that he also is on, what's the name of the podcast you're on, sir, as well? You can listen to sometimes? Uh, that would be our That on Sexy Witches, right? That's the podcast I'm on right now. Well, yeah, <laughs> no, I just listened to you with, with Brad Slayton. You and Brad just did a uh, The one with Brad. That would be the Picking yeah. Brains podcast. Picking Brains I've podcast. Also got- they were talking. I was going to say, you just did a full preview on that show as well if you want to learn more about Days of the Dead. So I was trying to Definitely. <laughs> I'm also on, I've got my own podcast called Horror Business. So there's on the From Dust Till Con Network. I'm guests on, God, Bastards of the Universe, MovieCast. There's a whole bunch of other ones. I do all kinds of podcasts. Podcasting's fun. You ladies know what I'm talking about. Oh, we do. We certainly do. Even though the sexy witches have been kind of quiet this episode, but this has been a very unusual episode. So, um, hey, but, uh, let's keep <laughs> but it's been fun. Yeah, no, it hasn't been too bad. Uh, I wanted to also talk about. I'm going to do my own shameless plug tonight on our um, community thing, real quick. Uh, I am calling out for Madness judges. I have a full roster of Madness judges, but I want to have one or two alternates just in case. So um, I'm calling, if you have played The Madness before, the Halloween Horror Movie Marathon Madness Contest in October, I do need someone to help out. It's a lot of reading and a little bit of math, but you get to hang out with me and Queenie, who's also a judge this year. Right. Aaron is also, is probably going to participate. Matter of fact, she'll be a team captain more likely this year. And uh, Nathan occasionally is most super busy, participates as a judge or a contestant. But uh, I'm not asking these guys to do that. But if they want to, that's cool too. But, uh, you know, but uh, um, so if you want to be a madness judge, please PM me. Or if you're just interested in madness in general, PM me and I'll explain what it is. Because it's a lot of fun and it's the craziest thing you'll do and the fiercest spot of film competition on Facebook. So um, now I'm going to move on to 
Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, another thing that's really cool about being a judge in the madness is I remember when I was the judge, there's a lot of conversation going on with you and the members of your team and you and the other people in the team. And the, just the sharing of knowledge, because I got to turn some people on to some flicks they had never seen, and I got turned on to some flicks I had never seen that I've dug. So just the, you know, the sharing of your hard knowledge and gleaning hard knowledge from other people, it's really cool as a judge in the uh, madness. So anyone who uh, wants and to try it, I'd, I'd recommend it. And that's yeah, exactly what it's about. The contest is, is incidental. It's about the conversation. And these girls know, too. Go ahead. I didn't mean to interrupt. So, Sharing um, our love. Group and Absolutely. They, they now, festival. I think we all need to share some Jess Franco flicks with EKG. Oh, I need some Jess Franco flicks. I'm, I'm, I have a, a Jess Franco shortage, actually. Uh, I'm, I'm working on filling holes. Um, but I want to move on to the crowdsourcing picks. First of all, I want to give to the one mainstream crowdsourcing pick, and I, I posted it on your wall, Nathan, just so I wouldn't forget it. That's why I put it there. But Jason Trost, one of our favorite people, he directed DFP. And he also, um, his brother Brandon is a famous cinematographer, and the two of them and their sister Jennifer and their father Brandon are the Trost family, who are an amazing group of FX and filmmakers. Uh, Jay Tro has a, um, a Indiegogo campaign up for The Last Superhero, which is a sequel to his first film, All Superheroes Must Die, which I highly recommend. It's very cool. You want to see what you can do for an independent budget? These guys can do it. So they never have more than about 300 grand to do their film. And they look phenomenal. A lot of that has to do with Jennifer Trost, their costumer and art director. She is the bomb. And she deserves an Oscar, and she'll never get one. So uh, so I highly recommend checking out Jay Tro's um, uh, uh, Trust fundraiser. He doesn't have a lot of money right now because probably people don't know about it, but I was really excited to see that they're making a sequel to All Superhero Must Die. And the other one is a local guy. His name is Sean Jones, and he helped direct, uh, he helped work on a film a couple years ago, which Aaron, you'll know, Chainsaw Sally. Ah, yes. Yeah, because she was at Scares of Care last year. Uh, yes. Chainsaw Sally, mm-hmm. well, they're doing a follow-up called Camp Killer. And they have a Kickstarter campaign, which actually is doing pretty well already. So I'm going to put both of these campaigns up on my uh, Archivist Bed on Sexy Witches page probably tomorrow when I work on it because I'm going to go straight to bed after this. I told you guys I'm having a long day. But I wanted to mention those two campaigns are out there, and please check them out. And now I have a TV pick real quick. BattleBot started last week, and I'm sure all of us would be really into that. I'd like to see Nathan run a, a BattleBot team. I think he would be the bomb at it because he knows how to build that stuff already, at least the weapons. They do call me the mad scientist of violence. I'm sure I could come up with something to just stick a poem on this. It plays on Sundays. I was a huge fan of the original show. I still have my action figures from it. Uh, it was a San Francisco thing. I'm from San Francisco, so I was really into it. So check it out. ABC's on Sundays uh, for the summer. They're doing that. So that's BattleBots. Woohoo! So glad it's back. Um, DVD picks. A shit ton of DVDs came out. Um, last week we had two big titles, at least in my world. Two of my favorite movies of all time came out. Uh, Dog Soldiers, which yeah. is Neil Marshall's 2002 werewolf movie, came out on Screen Factory, which, of course, Screen Factory is probably one of the better uh, short, uh, I call them small batch Blu-rays. <laughs> companies out there they usually do a pretty good justice with their extras on their discs as well um, so Dog Soldier came out and if you've never you want to see and I know Queenie where I like Sexy Werewolf <laughs> Sexy Werewolf well, you know right there 
Well, yeah. I, I actually got Dog Soldiers. I pre-ordered it. So I, that was the first time I'd ever seen it when I got it in the mail last week. Oh, oh wow. I do like it. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. And I didn't even, on the cover, it looked like Peter Sellers, but Kevin McKidd, he's one of my favorites. I think he's very underrated. It's a really fun film. And, uh, you know, and then another fun film, completely different into the world, but Nathan, one of my favorite exploitation films of all time, Coffee by Jack Hill, dropped last week from Olive Films. Uh, unfortunately, all his films, a lot of people, like Scott will tell you, he's not a huge fan of that label, but that Coffee has a Blu-ray release in it itself is, matters because <laughs> Coffee rocks. It is Pam Brill's best film. Everyone goes to Foxy Brown, but this one was first. Matter of fact, Foxy Brown is an indirect sequel to Coffee. Go watch Coffee. Watch it now. Best film, Jack Hill. He rocks. So Jack uh, coming out today... Genius, absolutely genius. Um, my two favorite films by him are Coffee and The Big Bird Cage, just so you know. <laughs> so um, The Fisher King and uh, came out this week, or came out today, so on um, Criterion. So check that out if you're Terry Gilliam. And um, one of my favorite movies of all time, documentaries, I should say, is Decline of the Western Civilization came out on South Factory. Uh, it's a four-box DVD set of all four movies. The first movie matters. The other one's not so much, but the first one absolutely matters. And it's got everyone you can possibly think about, X, Black Flag, they're all, it's punk at its best. So I highly recommend, have you ever seen that, Nathan, The Kind of the Western Civilization? Oh, yeah, and part two is good, too, man. You can't discount part two. I don't discount part two, but the first one is just so raw and so fucking good. And the soundtrack is good. It's one of the best standalone soundtracks from a movie ever. So, the first uh, one is I, I, I one just, of the best. The first one is one of the best. Like looks at the punk scene there, and when it was really, you know, still something raw and still something underground. It's one of the best looks you'll ever see, and one of the most authentic looks you'll ever see at that whole period of time. Yeah, it's really, really good. So, Sexy Witches, go check that out if you have it. Oh, it's absolutely one of the best punk documentaries ever. Um, now, coming out next week is two films I wanted to pump out. Both uh, One is When We Were Young, which was Noah Baumbach. He's one of my favorite writers right now. His new movie this, that came out this year finally drops on DVD. And because Weird Al Yankovic is just rocking it right now, I saw the show. I know that, Nathan, your friend Brad went to the show last weekend. Um, and I hate him for it because I'm jealous as hell. Oh, it was, it, you, you, you should hate him because it was awesome. You can hate me, too. It was awesome. Um, I, I, have, I have seen it before, though, and he is amazing live. Yeah, well, I had, I've never actually seen him. So, But uh, UHF, is, Shout Factory is giving it a full Blu-ray release on the 30th. If you want a copy of UHF and you don't have it, my actually I actually have the vinyl of the UHF soundtrack. Actually, my husband. As do I. We share, so it's awesome. So, <laughs> uh, UHF comes out. Um, and on Instant, there's two things of note. One is on Netflix on June 26th. And, Aaron, this one is for you. Uh, Dragons Race to the Edge, season one drops. And that is the um, Netflix version uh, TV show for How to Train Your Dragon spinoff. So it's going to be really good. <laughs> And, I, and Queenie knows how much I love dragons. So if I like I these dragons, you. and they're friends with people, these are friendly dragons, and I like this show, I can tell you it's good. Because <laughs> so, I don't like my dragons to be friends with humans. I want them to eat humans, usually. So um, speaking of dragons. eating humans, 
Um, Amazon Prime also dropped a decent film. Some, I don't know, this one's a controversial one. I don't know how you ladies feel about this and Nathan, but Stephen King's The Mist in 2007, uh, it just got mm -hmm. a nice drop. It, it dropped on Amazon Prime for free. So if you want, have never seen that movie, I personally think it's a really, really it. good adaptation. Uh, I, and the ending is heartbreaking. Is, is actually better than the book. <laughs> I'm going to say yeah. that right I now. Think it's one of those rare, it depends rare on what cases. you're more into, honestly. Um, it, it is a complete mind fuck, really. Absolutely. But the book was more about hope. At, at the ending, you know that that they, well, they yeah. thought they heard a radio station. So it was more about hope, yeah. and, and and the movie was. Wow, no, not about hope. <laughs> not that about hope. No, genius. it was not about uh, hope at all. Uh, it also is a total shout movie. out to I believe Drew Struzan. There's a shout out in that movie I love because he's he's a poster designer. Uh, so uh, I really dig that part of the movie too. Um, so the Mist is actually really really good. They do pull punches on the sex in it um, from the book, but that's okay. I don't think they wanted to make him an evil evil character because mm -hmm. if he started having sex with teenagers after his wife disappeared, that would look kind of funky <laughs> on, on film. So I understood the change. Let's just put it that way. Um, but we're out of time, guys, and that was the end of my stuff. Does anybody have, Nathan, do you have anything you want to give us a shout-out to on the community calendar before we go? Uh, actually, I want to mention something you mentioned earlier on in the show. You were talking about too many cooks. My, oh, yeah. Yeah, my buddy Shane, Shane Morton, he's also our um, effects guy on Frankenstein Creative Bikers, did all the effects for too many cooks. Really? Oh, nice. Yeah, so well, I'm glad you enjoyed his work. Yes, please, tell him, because we absolutely adored it. It was part of our uh, New Year's party. It was too many cooks, so it was really, really yeah. cool. And, and thanks, I have thanks. shown many people since then. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll definitely tell yeah. them that. And thank you, ladies, for having me on. Everybody go, check, everybody go check out go the Sun of with Facebook page. That's the best place to keep in touch with what I'm doing. And go to daysthedead.net. Get all the information you need about Days of the Dead Indianapolis, and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you ladies again sometime soon. And Thank you, you will come much. back on the show in September when we talk about walkthroughs. So we'll I'm see down. you again. All Definitely. right. So thank you, Nathan. I'm going to let you go to you back to your busy life. And please have fun and post pictures of Days of the Dead for us. I will. Take it easy, ladies. Support independent horror. Yeah. Thank you, sweetie. Talk to you later. Bye. So that was Nathan Hamilton, the son of Celluloid. And I'm so glad he finally took time and visited Sexual Palm Show. Thank you, Sexy Witches, for being on the show. I know this was kind of a quiet show for you guys, but we'll get it together. We've got to relearn our chemistry with the new group, new vibe. So that's cool. We'll get it. We got it. We got it good, you know. Uh, next week, you have homework, ladies. We are going to yeah. go. We're going to talk about. Yeah, we got real homework though. We got four movies to watch. Uh, Blogfest oh, is next. Yeah, Blogfest comes out next week or uh, in two weeks, and we're going to do a Blogfest preview. The entire episode is going to be devoted to it until the community calendar when Aaron, my uh, cousin, calls in from LA to preview San Diego Comic Con, which will be awesome too. Uh, but we have to watch the four films. That are um, that are going to be shown there if we can. One of them might be hard to sh see, but everyone, you'll have to all watch the blob, 
Okay? Required. Okay. Um, yes, ma'am. Creature of the Black Lagoon. Creature of the Black Lagoon. Okay. Uh, Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. Okay. And and if you can, uh, the ghastly uh, the the ghastly ghost of Johnny X, I believe is the name. <laughs> that one's gonna be the hard one to get. So if you can right. get that one in, that'll be great. But we the other three definitely get in, and we will talk about it with Chris Garofalo. I hope I'm saying that right, sir. He's the artist. Uh, often you'll see him at the hi baby at the Colonial Theater in Phoenixville, uh, Pennsylvania, where the Blog Fest is happening. And he's going to call in and talk about the show. And we're going to talk about those movies, especially the Blob, because the Blob happens to be one of my favorite films of all time. So until then, sexy witches, once again, thank you, Queenie, for being on the show. Thank you. But as always, and Aaron, thank you for picking up the ball, and welcome to the show, and I can't wait to talk film with you in the future. It's absolutely my pleasure. Awesome, sweetie. And we are going to be out here, like I said, in two weeks. That'll be July 7th, so enjoy your 4th of July, folks. Good film hunting, and blessed be. And we're going to leave you with some John Horner score. Uh, Rathacon to the main theme. Once again, thank you, Sexy Witches. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, Scott McDonald. We love you all. Have a good evening. Goodbye.